attention to that. Thank you for that lesson about uh, what it feels like to ask for forgiveness. I have felt that feeling too, and I know how light you feel when you are forgiven. Yeah, yeah, whatever. So what do you want to do this evening? Ah, whatever. No, really, what would you like to do? Ah, I'm good with whatever. We had a family meeting this past week, me and my brothers and my dad, regarding some bigger decision-making stuff, pretty significant stuff in there, really. It was uh, about some land and money and, and pretty significant impact for my dad and maybe even for my inheritance and, and his charities and all of those things. And I have one brother, I think his favorite word is, ah, whatever. And I felt like saying, really? Whatever. Because if you're serious about that, we could make some adjustments to some of these things, and it would be in my favor. I know, I know. We all know that it has become a form of speech. Many of us use that word. You know what? When we kind of come to the end of what we've planned to say or what we've calculated, and, and then we kind of come to the end of that, and then we're, we feel like we're not quite finished, and then we, we kind of throw in, um, ah, ah, whatever. And somehow that's supposed to bring to, the con to a conclusion uh, this thing that we were talking about, this thing that we were saying. I think we should probably, you know, take that tractor and that combine and we should bring them to that field over there and, and then we should go and swath that field and then I'm going to go pick up the worker over there and take him, to, take him home uh, or whatever. Now, I like that paint color a bit better. You know, how about we do that color in the bathroom and that one in the bedroom um, or whatever. I'm glad that Patrick Laine got signed his, uh, to his new contract this last week. I think he's getting paid a bit too much, but whatever. I was pretty ticked off at the, at the call that the refs made the other night, ah, but whatever. And it's kind of this way of taking the edge off of our statement. It feels like maybe a bit of a Canadian thing to do. You know, you don't want to be too bold. You don't want to be too abrupt. You don't want to be too harsh or judgmental or dogmatic. And so you have this little word that you can kind of throw in at the end of some type of a little statement. And, and, and it kind of makes everything okay. Uh, or whatever. It's interesting, actually, because whatever is really a very, very big word. Whatever? Really? Do you know what that word actually means? The dictionary says, it is a lack of restriction in referring to anything or any amount, no matter what. So next time someone uses that word on you, take advantage. <laughs> if they say whatever, do whatever. Of course, you know that I'm, I'm joking. What I'm really trying to do, and you know this, I'm trying to get you to think about the word whatever. Because this word is actually used quite often in the Bible also. For the most part, probably with quite a bit more purpose and intent than how we tend to often use the word whatever. In particular, we are interested today in the fact that it is used two times in very close succession in the last half of the book, uh, or the chapter, the book, the chapter of Colossians chapter 3. And I want to show those two 
usages of the word whatever, and we're going to talk about them for a couple of minutes. First of all, chapter 3, verse 17. So that's right at the end of the little section of verses that I've encouraged you, challenged you to be memorizing. Colossians chapter 3, verse 11 to 17. This is the last of that little section of verses. And, uh, and he uses the word, first time, whatever. So he's, he's kind of gone through so many things already in the book. He's talked about the church and the purpose of the church and the value of the church and how it's good to put energy and time and effort and talent into the church. He's talked about what really matters and what doesn't matter. We talked about that two weeks ago, about the real thing and the shadow of the real thing. And then he's talked in Colossians chapter 3, he's talked a little bit about putting to death our sinful nature and and clothing ourselves with humbleness and kindness and generosity and, and faithfulness and, and, and compassion. He's talked about, you know, unity in the church and working together. And then he's gone through all this stuff. And then he comes to verse 17 and then he says, And whatever, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever, no restrictions, anything and everything, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. We're going to call that our first whatever life attitude. The first whatever way of doing life. Whatever you do, do it all in the name of of the Lord Jesus. It's the second use of this word, uh, a couple of verses later, verse 23, still Colossians chapter 3, uh, the second kind of whatever life attitude, whatever way of doing life, he says, whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. And then he goes on to explain that a little more. So let's pause for a moment. And remind ourselves again of the definition of the word uh, whatever. I already showed it to you in, the, you know, in our modern dictionary. A lack of restriction in referring to anything or any amount or, or no matter what. The Greek word that Paul uses here is actually used many, many times in the Bible. And these are all the different ways in which it is translated. All, all things, every, all men, whosoever, everyone, whole, all manner of, every man, everything, whatsoever, whosoever, always. And so he's, this is a word that really, really, really means like anything and everything. Everywhere, all time, wherever, however, it just really encompasses everything. And so when he says whatsoever, or uh, when he says what ever he really means whatever everything there's nothing left out everything and always and everywhere and so first thing he says is whatever in the name of Jesus so the first of these two life attitudes and I'm going to suggest that this in the name of Jesus Life attitude kind of has two main purposes. The first purpose is that it kind of becomes a, a checkpoint. Two weeks ago, uh, Pearl and I, we took a little motorbike trip, uh, kind of celebrating our 32nd, believe it or not, anniversary. And um, God has blessed me incredibly. Thank God for, for Pearl. 
And we took two, uh, two days and we did a motorbike uh, trip down to Rainy River, Fort Francis, and then we came up that road that uh, goes through Sioux Narrows and past Rushing River towards Kenora. Uh, at just, just an amazing, fantastic time together. Beautiful scenery, uh, perfect weather. It was just gorgeous. And we're, we're traveling this, this road. And, um, and, of course, pretty much perfect company. Um, just the two of us. Perfect. Um, where was I? Um, <laughs> We were traveling the Rushing River Road, and uh, over and over, we see these signs, uh, Pulp Load Checkpoint. Pulp Load Checkpoint. And so what it is, is it's these little, um, so it's, first of all, it's a road that many pulp trucks take. When pulp trucks get loaded, most of the times they, they load their uh, pulp wood sideways on the truck, and uh, as they're taking these curvy roads, etc., there's a tendency for these logs to sometimes kind of wiggle their way out sideways. And so here's this pulp truck, big semi, coming whistling down the road, and there's one log sticking out extra far because it's kind of jumped its way out sideways. And so these pulp load checkpoints, they, they, they're created so that the truck uh, pulls out sideways uh, into a little checkpoint area, and he doesn't just check his load. What he actually does is he drives between two huge rollers on big springs, and they're designed in such a way to kind of push any wood that would have been jumping out sideways to push it in. I mean, take a look. We're going we're gonna to see how this actually, this actually works. This time, by the way, there was not supposed to be any sound, so, so focus on what you see. So, here's what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting that this, whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus, is actually like a checkpoint. Uh, you pull out, as you're traveling life, you pull out and you do a little bit of a personal check. And you check to see if your whatever I am doing load fits in between the in-the-name-of-Jesus rollers. Are you with me? So you, you, you take your load in between these big rollers and you use it as a checkpoint in the name of Jesus and you start asking yourself questions like, the deal I made yesterday. Did I do that in the name of Jesus? Do I feel good about saying it like that? The way I spoke to my wife this morning 
or to my child or to my employee or to the cashier or the network marketing caller. Had to throw that one in. Did I say what I did in the name of Jesus? Does all of my whatever, does it fit in between the in the name of Jesus load check rollers? Can I do this in the name of Jesus? Checkpoint. Secondly, this whatever you do, do it all in the name of Jesus, also to some degree becomes an, an exercise in authority. I think the best way to illustrate that may be in, in uh, how we write out checks. I know that that's more and more a thing of the past, but uh, use your imagination together with me and uh, Haiti. Uh, many of you know that I do a little bit of roofing on the side once in a while. I'm trying to bring that to a close, but it doesn't seem to be working, so I'm not quite sure what we're going to do about that. But I, I remember one particular job where I just had to finish up a few things. I'd had quite a few people help me, and I needed to finish up a few last things, and I didn't have... And so I asked one of the people that was helping me, would you be willing to write out the checks for me, for all these other people that have been helping me? And so write out, put names, and here's the amount, would you write it out for me? And so this person, one of my workers, while I was finishing up a few last things, wrote out all the checks. Wrote out all the checks, and then gave them to me to... To sign. See, the bank doesn't actually care who writes out the check. Makes them absolutely no difference. They do care who signs the check. In whose name is the check written out? And so here, uh, this, these checks were written out by somebody else, but I put my name on it. That made the check valid. I'm suggesting that's, what, that's part of what it means here when it says, whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. You, whatever actions you do, whatever words you speak, it says here, word or deed, you do it and then you put Jesus' name at the bottom. I did this in the name of Jesus. Or maybe you do the action and then you say, I did this on behalf of Jesus. One commentary that I read said it like this. All that we say and do should be associated with the name of Jesus. Bearing the name of Jesus is a great privilege and a great responsibility. And I would agree. So that's the first whatever you do life attitude or way of living. Then there's a second one here in verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it as though you were working for the Lord and not for men. When I shingle, I'm shing shingling Jesus' house. When you take care of someone's investments, you're taking care of Jesus' investment. You farmers, you're probably way better at that than most of the rest of us. Um, when you combine, you're combining Jesus' crop. When you're cultivating your field, you're cultivating his crop. When you're storing and marketing Jesus' grain, not your own. Bagging groceries, bagging groceries for Jesus. Cleaning, sewing, website designing, accounting, firefighting, nursing, teaching, feeding pigs, on and on. Remember, whatever, whatever, anything, no restrictions from one end of the spectrum to the other. Reward is coming from him, not from your boss or your employer or the guy buying your product. Being able to think that way really does become a life attitude. 
And so those are, those are kind of the two whatever attitudes, whatever life attitudes that Paul highlights here in Colossians chapter 3. Then he does something interesting. In the surrounding verses, he, he kind of um, says or, or highlights or runs through several of the most common settings that we people find ourselves in in life. And he basically says, these normal life situations is what I am talking about when I use the word, whatever you do. Here's what I mean. And in chapter 3, verses 18 to 21, he gives us the first kind of setting probably the one environment that almost everyone in one way or another is a part of, and he says, whatever you do at home. It includes husbands and wives and parents and children. That's pretty much everyone in one way or another. Paul kind of says, whatever, wherever, yeah. I mean the most basic and routine and normal and taken for granted place and people in your lives, that's included in this Whatever. How about you do your home life, your relationship with your spouse and your children and your parents with a in the name of Jesus life attitude? How about you do the most basic of all your chores? I mean, washing clothes and making food and checking the oil in your vehicle and shoveling the sidewalk and, and the front steps and doing laundry and cleaning your room and the bathroom, including the toilet. And tightening the screws in your doorknobs and washing the floor and the windows and mowing the lawn and trimming the hedge and on and on and on. The most basic, the most routine, the most mundane things that you do in life. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Whatever. How about we start at home with these whatever attitudes. We start there doing the jobs there and doing the relationships there with a in the name of Jesus attitude and a working for the Lord and not for men attitude. It all starts at home. All kinds of challenges have been given over the years about this. If you can't be a godly man at home, then don't pretend to be a godly man anywhere else. If you can't do the most routine and normal and mundane jobs in the name of Jesus, then don't pretend that you're doing church stuff for Jesus and I'm guessing it's not coincidence that Paul kind of begins his little whatever speech here with the home. What happens at home, in your home. And we go, really? But don't you understand that's the toughest place to do life with this kind of an attitude? I mean, give me something significant. Give me some significant clients and I'm going to treat them the way I would treat Jesus. Give me some significant jobs to do that are going to be world changing and I'm going to do those jobs as if I'm working for Jesus. But the home, Paul says right there, that's where we're going to start. In whatever means in the home. And then he goes on and it doesn't get much better in a sense because he kind of goes to the next most common place and group of people, and that is check chapter 3, verse 20, 22 to about 4, verse 1, um, and we're going to summarize it to mean workplace, in your workplace. In their world, it was slaves and masters, they kind of symbolized that, the workplace, maybe the second most mundane and routine place in the world for many of us, the workplace, the people that besides your family, you see the most often and probably annoy you the most often, 
the jobs that, besides the mundane routine jobs that you do at home, you do most often, become the most routine and normal and often the most boring, the people and the, and the work at your workplace where you go to work. In the name of Jesus, as working for the Lord. We got to see Rudy one evening this week. Thank you, uh, Kim. He told us how incredibly he misses you, the church. And uh, actually, I, I was thinking about that. And if there's one person that you could really, really punish the most by not allowing them to come to church, it would probably be Rudy. You know, he, he loves being here. He loves being with all of you. And we got to go see him a little bit. And he said, tell the people how much I miss them. But in our conversation, he was telling us about one particular morning when he was going down to therapy. And uh, it was not a good morning for him. No, Rudy doesn't have a good day every day. He works very, very hard at, at doing his best to create a good or to have a good attitude. But this particular morning, he was down and he was wheeling himself into that therapy room yet again. And uh, the therapist looked at him. The therapist uh, said, Rudy, what's wrong today? And he said, I couldn't believe it. She had this routine plan, she was doing her job, she was focused, and here before she did any of that, she put that all aside, and she focused just on him. Rudy, what's wrong today? In the name of Jesus, at your workplace. Whatever, at your workplace. I sometimes wish that we could all be bold enough. You know, I, honestly, I, I kind of get choked up when I think about all of you and how you are already doing this in all of your workplaces, the places where you guys go. Um, I sometimes wish that you would all be brave enough, not for the sake of boasting, but that you would all, that we could celebrate together and that you would be brave enough to, to share the things that you've done in your regular routine world during the week in the name of Jesus. I remember one time, uh, about a year ago, Dion and myself and uh, my brother and his, his son, my nephew, we went golfing and uh, for a golfing weekend and we had done two rounds on Saturday and we had already done one round on Sunday morning. Yes, we did a round on Sunday morning, um, but it was about five degrees and it was drizzling and, uh, and my brother Barry and Jaden and Dion, they were going to go out for another round after two rounds on Saturday and one round Sunday morning, five degrees and drizzling and I told them, uh, you guys go ahead, I'm heading to the hot tub. I think I would have had company by the looks on your faces if you had been there. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm soaking in the hot tub, I'm warming up, and after about an hour of that, I go back to the clubhouse, and I, I go up to the, to the uh, greenskeeper or the, the golf professional there, and I say, is there any chance, is there any way you can tell me which hole uh, my brother is golfing right now? And they said, oh, absolutely. And he turned the, t the, the computer screen or TV screen to me, and he looked on there, and every golf cart on the whole course has a GPS chip, and, uh, and it's all on the, the whole golf course is on this map on the screen. And, uh, and first of all, he looked at his book, and he said, oh, they're uh, riding cart number 21. And he looks on the chart, and he says, uh, yeah, right here, he's, uh, he's on hole number four right now. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because I wish that that's what I had telling me where all of you were all week. 
Not because I want to check up on you, but because I sometimes would love to see where the Pleasant Valley Church all is during the course of the week and where you are all making an impact in the name of Jesus. What you are all doing, what you're all going about. And it feels to me like the Pleasant Valley Church, just one little church here out in the country, we would be spread out all over the place. And I would see all these little golf carts on this, on this uh, map and I would see you guys making a difference in the name of Jesus all over the place and all kinds of different jobs and settings and with all kinds of different people all over the place. It would choke me up. It would make me proud, I think, of all of you guys and what we get to do together in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, whatever, wherever you are during the course of the week, we need to finish it up here. Paul goes on and he gives us two more kind of normal settings, normal places, normal environments. If you go down to chapter 4, Verse uh, 5, he says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Whatever includes that next sphere of people, the ones that are not a part of your normal world every day at home or in your workplace, the next sphere, kind of people that you meet occasionally in the community, people that you meet at sports events. That's one of the places where I feel like we've met a lot of people in that next sphere is, is, is in the sports world, or for you it might be different, different types of activities, but that next sphere where you meet people that, that aren't a part of your normal everyday life. That whatever includes that next sphere of people. I find it interesting that one of the things he does here when he, when he highlights that group of people is he says, um, be careful how you speak. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Whatever in the name of Jesus means that when we're in that sphere with that group of people that are not a part of your normal world, uh, be careful how you speak because you're speaking in the name of Jesus. And then he goes on and he gives us one more kind of normal world. If you keep on reading verse 7 and verse 8, he talks about the church world. Um, Whatever, in the name of Jesus, as working for the Lord and not for men, um, at home, uh, in the workplace, uh, in that next sphere, kind of he calls them, he uses the word here, outsiders, in that next sphere of people that you meet occasionally out there in different places. And then, and then he adds, fourthly, you know, yeah, yeah, and, and absolutely in the church also. And he uses two words there, the words uh, servant and encouragement. And uh, that's what I see when I look at all of you, servants and encouragers. And so... The little challenge here today from these verses in Colossians chapter 3 and into chapter 4 is um, whatever. In the name of Jesus, as working for him, for the Lord, and not for men. Amen.